You are listening to the Soul Connection Duo podcast, a podcast that explores spirituality, shares vulnerable stories, brings awareness to different healing modalities, and offers hope to individuals who may be grieving a loss. I'm Alexa Mathis. And I'm Sydney Ham, and we are your hosts, also known as the Soul Connection Duo. Get ready to connect to your soul and start healing within. Today, our guest is Dominice Clifton. Dominice's mission is to educate people about effective ways to manage stress and release trauma from the body using somatic approaches to healing. She entered the wellness industry with a desire to guide others to healing after struggling and releasing her own childhood trauma. Dominice also serves in this capacity with the legacy of her maternal grandmother in mind. Her grandmother struggled with an unaddressed trauma that eventually manifested physically in her body after many years. Today, Dominice promotes emotional well-being and provides wellness education using body-centered approaches to healing, including yoga, meditation, and breath work. Welcome to the Soul Connection Dual Podcast. Dominice, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you all so much for having me. I Just like I shared before we hit record, your smiles are so welcoming that I feel so like calm and disarmed. And so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this too. You have so many amazing offerings. And one of the things that really stood out to me, Dom, when I was looking at your bio and all of the work that you do is the idea of generational trauma and your grandmother walking beside you. Um, I'm sure that's probably a big part of your story. And maybe you just want to start by telling us a bit about how you got into this work and then we can chat a bit more about your grandmother and yeah. um, um, that piece of it. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you both for like lifting her up in this conversation because I, I I typically honor her legacy, but I don't have many conversations where I can talk heavily about her. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, so just a little bit about what got me into this work. I always tell people that I never really saw myself being in the wellness space. I think some people grow up like knowing exactly what they want to be or are super passionate about something where it's like, I'm definitely going to do that thing. And for me, I went to college for fashion merchandising. And then I ended up teaching English in China. And then I like fell into fundraising and development. And so that's where I spent the bulk of my career before like walking away and pursuing entrepreneurship full time. And so this was just not really in the cards for me, but you know, the universe had other plans. So I got into this space a couple of years ago after really healing myself, working through, and I feel like it's an ongoing process. So it's not like I did it and I'm done, but after really working through my own healing journey, seeing how I had been like holding so much, so many things that I, you know, thought that I was over, I wasn't necessarily thinking about those things, but the trauma was still impacting me. And so physically I held that trauma in my body. I was overweight, struggled with emotional eating. And so I was like manifesting that trauma physically and, you know, mentally and emotionally, I was just riddled with fear, like afraid to do the things that my heart was desiring, just like so afraid of being seen, being judged, doing the wrong thing, failing, like all of all of those things were holding me back. I had so many limiting beliefs and I just did not believe in myself at all. And so I started 2020, like right before COVID hit, I was unemployed. I had just had my second daughter, didn't really have much going on. Um, And I was at a really low point where like financially things were really off. My partner and I, we were having like challenges in our marriage. And then we had like a newborn and a three-year-old. So life was pretty rough. And I 
didn't know what else to do at that point, but to be still and go inward. Like that was what I was feeling called to. Um, I had, you know, a spiritual practice before that meditation, but it was always very inconsistent, but there was something in me that was like, just be still. And so I did that. And one day while I was meditating, I heard this voice just as clear as you and I are having a conversation. It was whisper. And it was essentially telling me to do this 90 day challenge where I focused on my mind, my body and my spirit every single day for 90 days. And it was perfect that this was like right around the time that COVID hit. So we were all in quarantine. So there weren't really like other things to do. And I did that for 90 days. And that was the first time in my life where I have been consistent with anything for such a long time. So that was really hard for me. Like those first couple of weeks, I really had to force myself to do it. But then by the end of that three month period, I felt like a completely different person. It was like, I felt like I had a, like awakened in a sense. I think I had actually. And it was one of those things where like when you awaken spiritually, you want to like shout it from the rooftops and you want everyone to feel how you feel and like get off of autopilot. And that's the space that I was in. And so I started like working with family and just like wanting to help them and then just going on social media and like wanting to help other people and offering life free movement sessions. And that has kind of spiraled into where I am now. I started coaching women, nutrition and wellness coaching. I did that for a while. And the last thing I'll say before I wrap this up is coaching actually led me to starting moving still because while I was working with women, a lot of them were moms. A lot of them were, um, you know, career women or entrepreneurs. They were wives. They were balancing all of these things. And then we were in the pandemic. And so everyone was stressed the hell out. And what I realized was I was working with a lot of women that were like very highly educated master's degrees and PhDs, but no one knew how to actually manage stress. And at the time I didn't either. And so as a coach, I started doing research to figure out how to support my clients. And that really led to a big aha moment of realizing that so many of the things that we're seeing in our society from depression, addiction, violence, like crime, um, so so many things, uh, dis-ease is really rooted in stress and trauma. And so I felt really passionate about like pivoting in business and starting to like scream this from the rooftops to help people and like really teach people ways to manage stress and trauma more effectively because it it's impacting us like our society, particularly on such a like huge, you know, scale. So that's a little bit about how I got here. And I love the work that I'm doing now. I'm super grateful that, you know, I just like follow those whispers from my soul, which kind of snowflaked, snowballed into this really big place that I never saw myself being. It's just amazing when we get to hear the stories of how people got to where they are in this type of work, especially and following that soul path. It's so true. And I think that's a lot of what Sid and I are kind of trying to do with this podcast is mm -hmm. we get to talk to so many amazing people that do the work that they've been guided to. And mm -hmm. I know that this is part of our soul mission is just um, learning and growing through doing this and sharing mm -hmm. it with people. And also then finding these things that interest us as well to mm -hmm. follow. And um, that's why I was so drawn to the piece about your grandmother in this, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of what my own healing is, um, has to do with generational trauma mm -hmm. as well. And especially in the lineage of my grandmothers. And um, I do have like my, my Oma, my dad's mom, mm -hmm. who she walks beside me in spirit too. And so I really resonated with that when I read your bio. So thank you for sharing um, all yeah. of that. And <laughs> yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, your work with generational trauma and yeah. how that, um, yeah, 
So before I answer that question, I feel like I was guided to say something. Um, So I share my story about how I got here, but for anyone listening, it wasn't a clear path. Like the entire time until maybe like three months ago, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just kept making decisions and like things were feeling like, am I supposed to be doing this? Um, This feels off. Like this is really hard. Like there have been over the last like four years, I've been taking strides and making steps, but like constantly questioning myself, but I just kept going. Like I just kept, you know, trying the new thing or investing in myself to help for someone to help me figure it out. And I say that because, you know, a lot of times we can hear people's stories of where they are now that maybe have been over a couple of years, five years, 10 years. And it, it can be like, you know, oh, I'll, I'll never get there. But literally, like the entire time, it hasn't just been me like tuning into my soul and connecting with my intuition and like following that. It's been a lot of confusion. I've just been like taking steps kind of in the dark and hoping that, you know, the light would would find me. Um, the last couple of months, things have gotten a lot clearer. And I know like the entire time I was guided, but I didn't feel that the whole time. So <laughs> I wanted to say that. Yeah, it can be so scary when we're starting mm-hmm. these new things or trying to start following a new path Mm -hmm. I know we had that same experience when we started this podcast it was like holy shit we're doing the thing but it's scary because Mm -hmm. you think about all those fears and um I mean none of it ever comes to be what you're scared (laughs) of but it's it's you think about it so yeah yeah yeah. thank you for being brave and choosing to do the work yeah and then to answer the question about generational trauma or intergenerational trauma It's one of those things where I think on your healing journey, once you start to peel back the onions of the layer, like you kind of start with those like surface level things that you need to work on. And it's like the the deeper that you go to the core of that onion, the more that you just have that, like, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but it's like those oh shit moments of like, there's so much to do. Like there's so much to work on. And that's how I felt where it's like, my therapist is always like healing is like a circle, like a spiral staircase where it's like, you think you're at the top and you're like, Oh, nope, there's another level. And so that's how I feel with intergenerational trauma. I feel like there were like limiting beliefs that I was holding on to. And I couldn't figure out like where they came from or why I felt so strongly like for money, for example, I'll give you that one as an example. So I am very much so still working on my relationship with money, but that has been like a really hard one for me. And I've like for as long as I can remember, have had this like scarcity mindset and just have been so afraid of, you know, being in a certain position when it comes to money. And my entire life, like there's nothing in my personal experience that can really point to me like reacting that way with money. But when you look at how my mom grew up and like how my grandmother grew up, they grew up in like, like hard times, you know what I mean? Like poverty, like we didn't we didn't know where our, our meal was coming from sometimes we didn't eat like my grandmother used to um work at restaurants she was a really good cook and she would bring home like the the bits off of the like chicken like the chicken tips and things and like she would fry those up and like that would be a meal and i'm like i've never had that sort of experience where like the water wasn't on or the electricity wasn't on but i felt impacted like i had and so when you start like again, like following the breadcrumbs of the generations before you and understanding the things that happen in their lives. Like that's just one example. We'll be here all night if I'm talking about them all, but it makes you realize like sometimes you can be carrying emotions or beliefs or fears that aren't even yours. Like you're hanging on to things that you may have inherited from other people. Um, And so for me, like understanding the way that I've been reacting to certain things, or even like when it comes to stress for a really long time, 
I was a habitual like worrier. Like I would worry myself to death about something. And that's how my mom is. Like that's how she still is. And that's what I saw growing up. And so it's just things like that of where you start like questioning when you start asking like, where does this come from? Like, why am I like that? Or why do I respond to something a certain way? Where you realize, again, like a lot of times it's it's patterns, it's generational things. Sometimes like if you want to go deep, we can talk about, you know, how how trauma is uh, passed genetically and through DNA. And so a part of that is like, you know, understanding how your mom was feeling when she was carrying you or, you know, how your grandmother was feeling when she was carrying your mom. And it's like, it might sound like really far-fetched, but all of those things are true. And so the more that I learned, it was like, I'm doing my own personal work, but then I'm also doing the work of my ancestors and my mother and the, you know, the, my, my, the women in my family and that whole lineage. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of work and it's still, still going. (laughs) Yeah. It's thanks for explaining all that. I think it's so important, even as you were talking about like even the worrying of you and your mom, I totally resonate. My mom and I are total worry words and my grandma mm-hmm. was too. So I totally, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yep, yep. But a lot <laughs> of the times, like we don't think about that for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we just think of our lives, we're here doing whatever, but all these things are passed down. Yes. Um, how do you help? I'm assuming you mostly work with women, um, but how do you help people to recognize these things and then make changes in their lives to kind of break those. um, Yeah. So that's like really deep work. Like someone has to be at a space in their journey where they are ready to do that work. And so typically, so I'm not a coach anymore. And so a lot of my work now is actually more on the like organizational B2B side. Um, I am working on something for the fall that's going to shift me back into the into the space of working with women more. But I've paused that for the last couple of years. But I will say that when I was working with women, the awareness that I have now, I didn't have that as a coach. Like I knew a lot about the body and, you know, your blood sugar and things of that nature. But I've done a lot of like learning and research over the last couple of years since pivoting. And so when it comes to organizations or just people in general, Again, like people have to be at a space in their journey where they're ready for that, because sometimes you can you can open up a can of worms that someone isn't necessarily ready to sit with. And so there I'm writing a book right now and it will be out um, by the end of Q2. So very soon. And in the book, I actually have at the end of each of the three sections. So there's a release, reconnect and remember the book is divided into those three sections And just to explain like what those three sections mean, it's really been like how my healing journey is unfolding. And so when I started a couple of years ago, I had to work on like releasing a lot of things that I was holding on to. And then once I kind of like, you know, got through a lot of that, like a lot of what I was holding, I went to this space of reconnecting with myself. And so that was like getting to know the most authentic version of myself again, because I hadn't seen her for so long. And it's like, well, who am I? You know what I mean? Like, who am I authentically? Because I've been kind of wearing this mask for most of my life and I've been conditioned to believe a lot of things. And so I literally had to reconnect with myself, reconnect with source. And then the last piece is like, once you do those things, you get to this place of remembering and remembering is like more of the authenticity, but also remembering like, what did my soul come here to do? You know what I mean? Like, what is the thing that I said yes to when I was a spiritual being? And then how do I allow my light to shine to like show up for that? And so the book, those three sections at the end of the first chapter, I talk a lot about like the types of trauma. So, you know, developmental trauma, collective trauma, because that's a whole thing. Um, And then, of course, intergenerational trauma. And I have questions like reflection questions at the end. And it's really just guiding people to think about like, what are some things that you're struggling with? 
And if you start to look at your family, if you start to look at your lineage, are there any patterns there, right? Like, for example, substance abuse, right? Like typically when you see someone that's struggling, there's a pattern of that in the family and maybe it wasn't their immediate family, but maybe it was a grandparent or uncle or aunt. Like there's, we don't just do things just because like we're so much more connected as human beings than we realize. And so I think one of the first steps in trying to begin the healing process from uh, intergenerational trauma is starting to look at the things that you might be struggling with and wanting to change and then asking people if you don't have the answers, you know what I mean? Or if you do, looking at the patterns that are similar to the people that you can identify and like recognizing where the patterns are. And then of course, like beginning to commit yourself to working through those. And that looks a lot of different ways, therapy, somatic approaches. Um, there's many different paths to healing. Yeah. I think that's so amazing that like through your own healing journey, you've been able to like reflect back now and then come up with these three processes for it and write a book on it. I think that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so amazing. And even as you were explaining all those processes, like we've kind of been on this healing journey, um, Alexa and I for the last four years now, mm. and um, I've been healing some pretty big trauma as well. And even as you were explaining that too, I was trying to like figure out like, Hey, kind of where am I in all <laughs> in that process? But I think I'm kind of maybe between the last two, but it's, it's very mm -hmm. interesting. And what is mm -hmm. your book going to be called? So it's called hold space to heal, okay. um, hold space to heal seven somatic approaches to help you release, reconnect, and remember to own your power. And that's what this journey really is about. Like we come here as extremely powerful beings and we totally forget that and we totally dim our light. And it's like, once you go through that process and it's not like a finite process where you're done one day, your soul literally comes here to evolve. So you're always, you should always be growing and evolving. But once you go through that process and you begin to like reconnect with your light, you realize like how powerful you are. You realize I can really manifest my life or co-create the life that I want. And so that's the space that I'm in now of like not being afraid to dream and to envision what I want my life to look like and not being afraid of the big goals and dreams that God has trusted me with, but like really owning my power and being like, if if source gave me this vision, that means that I can handle it and like really owning that shit. And so that's literally like the space of my life that I'm in right now. Um, one of the things that I kind of flagged to ask you there as you're going through like the steps in your book and everything um, is kind of, do you have any tips for our listeners on places to start? Like what were some mm -hmm. of those practices that you did initially that really helped you to tune in and connect and um, stick to your plan of your 90 days of connection, connecting to your soul? Yeah, I love this question. So I, I have, I'm a one, three projector. And so I love learning. Like I just love soaking up information. And so that makes me someone who's always open to trying new things. And so my healing journey has been trying all the things because at one point in my life, and I, this has shifted very recently, but I was so focused on like this end goal that I had in mind for myself, like this version of myself that I envisioned that I was like so fixated on getting there as fast as I could. And so I was like hiring all the coaches and trying all the things. So I've tried a lot of things. I said that to say that. Um, but in the beginning, like that first 90 days, it was just like very simple. It was meditating. That was that was my spiritual practice. It was moving my body every day. And then it was like mindset and motivation. So like listening to things on YouTube, finding podcasts that inspired me and 
really focused on, I was really focused on mindset at that time. Like I started with the mindset piece before the spirituality piece. Um, and so that's how my journey started. It's definitely morphed and evolved. So meditation is still a part of my practice today, but breath work is a really big part of my practice today as well. On really good days, I do both. On some days I do one or the other. It just depends on like what I feel like I need that day. Um, yoga has been really helpful for me. And whenever someone, when I'm talking about like body centered approaches and people are like, where would you recommend someone start? I always say start with yoga because it like it's such a beautiful merger of all the things. So like you're moving the body, you're focused on the breath, like you're calming the mind, like, you know what I mean? Like it just hits all the, it just checks off all the boxes at one time. And usually yoga is an easier way to start for people because people can connect to the body much easier sometimes than it is to connect to the breath or to focus on mindfulness. Um, I've also tried plant medicine. So I've uh, done combo. I've uh, done um, ayahuasca. I've done shrooms, um, shrooms like with the with the shaman, like on a journey. Um, trying to think of the other things. I love astrology. So I've taken an astrology course. I've done human design. So I've done a lot of things and I'm not suggesting that anyone start with all those things. If you're like, where do I start right now? I would literally say start with yoga or start with mindfulness. And I I think that those are like easy entry points for someone who's at the start of their journey, because I think so much of what we do is autopilot. We don't even realize the things that we do are autopilot. And so the beautiful thing about a mindfulness practice is that it makes you more aware. And awareness is really like that first step in the healing process. Like you can't change anything that you don't even know you're doing. Like you know, if you're someone who constantly like plays with your hair and it's like this habit that you have and then someone's like, why do you always do that? Then you're like, oh, I didn't even, you know, realize that was a thing. But you can't stop the thing or modify the thing until or heal from the thing until you know that it's a thing. So where awareness is really key and meditation is so helpful for that because once you start to meditate consistently, you start to observe your thoughts and like realize all the really crappy things that you say to yourself or say in your head about other people. You start to uh, notice the ways that you want to just be reaction react reactive to things. Um, and you start to notice your patterns, you know what I mean? Like you start to notice that you stress eat when you're overwhelmed or burned out. Like that was a thing for me. I'm bored. I'm going to go eat. Like, why, why do I need to do that? And so you just become more aware. And so I would say start with meditation or if that's challenging for you, start with um, walking meditation or maybe yoga as entry points on the journey. Yeah, thank you for that. We just always like to have these kind of more tangible pieces or places to start because mm -hmm. I know both for Sid and I too, when we were first starting, it is overwhelming and mm -hmm. there, there can be a lot of information thrown at you. So it's nice to hear where other people have started their journeys as well. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Can I say one more thing actually? Um, yeah. So if I go way back, like that was, we're talking more in like the last four years, but if I say like, where did I start like in 2016 or 17, I started with the morning routine. So I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with that book, but it's amazing. I would highly recommend it for anyone who's listening. And that was actually like the thing that was a game changer for my life because I was someone who would wake up in the morning, roll out of bed 15 minutes before I needed to leave for work. And, you know, we weren't working remotely then. Like I had to physically be somewhere. Um, and then I was super rushed all the time. And so I started my day in like this rush, frantic space. And that was the energy that I projected onto other people. And so I was always just in this like reactive, you know, stress, stressful place. And then my old job, a colleague recommended the book she was reading at the time. So it was kind of like, hey, you want to do this thing together? And that book 
changed my life. And a morning routine is like still, you know, years later, it's still such an important part of my day. And it looks different every day now because I have children and I have, you know, a business and all of these things that I'm managing. So I would even take back what I said before and say, like, start with something like 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. And The Miracle Morning is a great book for like some suggestions and things that you can do to start building a morning routine. It's amazing how many book recommendations we've actually got through doing this podcast. I think a lot of people have, I mean, we probably have a list that we could make for people, but um, I think a lot, the start of a lot of people's journeys or like kind of getting that focus on track has been related to a book in some way or form. So that's really cool. And we'll definitely have to add that to our list of Mm. things to read. Um, that would be a really cool freebie actually. Like I'm a avid reader and I'm like, Ooh, if someone had a healing list of books, I would like love to do like to have that. So I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We usually put them in our show notes. Like if someone mentions a book, um, so Mm -hmm. people can like remember it if they've missed it or whatever, but yeah, maybe we should start making a list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when our website is up and running, we will <laughs> add it on there. <laughs> It'll I love be our that. Freebie. <laughs> I love that. Did you always want, or I guess not always, but have, did you ever think you're going to write a book mm. or is this just something that you're like, I feel um, inclined to be doing now? Or was that ever on your radar of things that you have to do in your life? Always, always, always love reading and writing. And so I think when I finally said yes to the assignment, it wasn't surprising. It was like, yeah, this this checks, like this makes sense. But there was, so I started this book in 2020. I'm, I probably wrote a couple, like maybe 10 pages, I don't know, but a good amount. Um, I wrote and then it was like, I got to a place where I didn't know what else to write. And so I saved it in a Word doc and left it for two years and came back to it in the end, at the end of December of 2022. And I realized that I had already said, like my soul had already said yes to this thing in 2020, but I needed to like live more life and have more experience. And like what I gained in those two years of learning and challenges and, you know, evolution, like helped me to finish the book and like write it from a place of, I can tell you that everything in this book works if you stick to it, because I've done it all and it's been so helpful for me. And I would not have had that knowledge two years ago had I tried to write this book. And so I think I've... I don't, I don't think I've always believed in myself enough to think that I could write a book, but now that I'm here, I'm like, yeah, this makes so much sense because I've loved writing, like writing has been my jam since I was a young person. And like English was always my favorite subject and I would always overwrite papers and the teachers would always tell me that I overwrite the papers. And so I love writing. I said all that to say, so it's not surprising. I think now that I'm like seeing myself fully, but a couple of years ago, I didn't believe in myself as much. Well, that's awesome. And congrats. I mean, I know it's probably not an easy process at at all compared or from what we've heard from other guests we've had on. So that's really exciting. And um, we look forward to seeing Mm -hmm. it out there. Are you a self-published author? Do Mm -hmm. you have a publishing company? Yeah, Yeah, I'm self-published. I had an energy reading or a psychic reading a couple of days ago on Monday. And he was like, I see what did he say? Three or four more books for you. And I was like, oh, so I'm assuming, I'm hoping that I'll be able to like get one of those or a few of those like published. But I think for me, like 
the amount of time, energy, and effort that I could have spent in finding someone to publish the book and all of those things. Yeah. Like the universe aligned it where my uncle actually invested in a writing coach for me who like guides people through that process. And so he's been holding my hand the entire time. And so I actually feel really good about my first book being self-published because it's like, I literally did this whole thing. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I'm open to like having someone support and publish future books that come. But yeah, this one's self-published and it just, it feels really good. Like, it's like, I saw this baby from conception all the way to print and I just can't wait for it to be in my hands. <laughs> yeah, we will look forward to seeing that out there and we'll definitely um, please share that with us when it comes mm -hmm. out and we'll share to our pages as well. Thank you. Yeah. And you've also got a podcast too, I noticed from your yeah. website. <laughs> Um, is that recent? I didn't have time to like look into it, how long you've been doing it for, but do you mind just sharing a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my podcast is called The School of Healing and it'll be a year just in May of, of this year. So almost a year. We're at 11 months. And um, the podcast is really about sharing, similar to you all, sharing resources, stories with people. I think the one thing that I've learned in my own healing journey is that there are many paths to healing. And so I could never give someone the exact route that I took took to get here because it would look completely different for them, right? Um, because we've all had different experiences. We all need different things. And so my goal is not to say like, here, follow this path to get here. It's like, here are all the options or here are many options. And then just be curious, like see what speaks to your mind, your body, your soul, and allow yourself from that place of curiosity to explore what feels good for you and then try it on. If it feels good, stick with it. If not, try something else. And so it's really just like similar to you all having conversations with people, learning about their journeys, having them to share. But I also, it's like a merge of spiritual and like stress and burnout related because I think that so much of what we're dealing with eat internally, like manifest externally is all of these different things. And so we typically try to treat something based on the symptoms, but you got to like, look at the root. You know what I mean? Like you got to look at the root of why you're stressed or burned out or why you're overeating or why you're under eating or why you're, you know, whatever you're, you're coping, why you're drink coming home and drinking a glass of wine every day. And so I kind of, have as an entry point that stress and burnout piece because so many people can relate to that but it's like once once I hook them in we start talking about like the deeper things the spirituality the mindset the mindfulness because all of that is connected like we we are energetic beings first and so again like if something is showing up in your outer world there's things that need to be addressed it addressed um internally as well mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the pieces that always well not always but often comes up in these conversations is like the mm. getting to the root of whatever it might be that you're dealing with whether that's mm. physical pain whether that's these problems that keep cycling and recurring in your life um it's just amazing when you really start to dive into it and do the work whether that's spiritual physical it all is so connected and I know for myself as I've dove into some of that it's really incredible the changes that I've seen both in my physical well-being mm -hmm. as well as my external world so um that was the, the next piece I was actually looking at in your um in the things that you do is the stress and burnout piece because I mm -hmm. know that that's something that a lot of us deal with especially if we maybe have uh stressful jobs or 
family life can be stressful too. And I know after COVID with the collective trauma that everyone experienced, Mm -hmm. we're still coming out of that in some ways. I'm starting to feel that there's a shift and people aren't maybe as stressed about all of those things. But I know I work a lot with the public in my day job. And um, for the last couple of years, it's just this pent up stress and anxiety that a lot of times people feel the need to take it out on the external Mm. sources, i.e. people that they're dealing with in their everyday. So uh, what are some of the ways that you work with people to help cope and manage stress and anxiety? Yeah. So I want to say thank you for naming that actually, Alexa, that piece. It's like essentially what you're describing almost as like a secondary trauma, like the result of my work. I'm impacted. Right. And I I go home and I hold on to all that unless I'm intentional about releasing it. And so your job is dealing with people that come in and like take their frustration or anger out on you. And then like you're now in a space of your body, I'm sure, like feels that and responds to that. Um, But so many people like first responders, people in high stress pressure jobs, people who are responsible for many other people in their jobs. Um, So like executive level teachers, like there's so many people that on a daily basis don't realize the amount of stress and trauma they incur from their job or also just from like being in situations that are extremely traumatic. And so again, like I'm very passionate about helping people to be more aware of all that we are carrying. So, oh gosh. So now I've shifted very recently again, like, like sometimes you're just kind of walking. I, I don't know if you've all ever heard the metaphor of like, if you are driving from the East coast to California at night, you can only see like what, what's your tail, like what your headlights illuminate in front of you. And it's like, they relate it to like on your spiritual journey. You can't see the whole path, but like you can just see just enough to like move forward. That's how I feel like my journey has been. Um, I do feel like I'm clearer now on where I should be and where I'm going. But I saying all that to say, like I pivoted very recently um, in, in starting moving still. And it feels good to be here because I'm like, yes, this is a thing. But it's also been like a lot of like, I don't know who I want to serve. So now my work is focused on uh, offering trauma-informed wellness solutions to youth and community-serving organizations to really focus on impact, uh, reducing the impacts of stress, burnout, and secondary trauma, and helping organizations to create a culture of well-being. And so not just like offering wellness programs, but like how do we shift the culture of this organization, which is something that takes time. Like on average, that's a three to five-year process. And you got to look at policies and procedures and mindsets and all of those things. So it's not an easy process. But a lot of times, especially when you think about schools, people only focus on the students. So there's a ton of like student wellness programs. You know, if you Google, there's all these organizations, but there are not enough, not enough people. I won't say that there aren't any, but there are not enough people that are thinking about the staff and the administrators and like they hold space for kids every day and like they take on a lot and we see how burned out they are and like how that's impacting us as a nation. And so I feel so passionate about like going into schools and empowering administrators and teachers and students like the entire community with mindfulness practices and, you know, with body centered approaches to releasing stress and trauma. And I will say like here in Baltimore, like the stress and trauma level is so high, you know, it's like we got a lot going on Um, and there's a lot happening with young people. And so a lot of times it's easy to point the finger at the younger generation and, oh, they're so lost and all of these things. But it's like, but how are we helping them? And, you know, I think when I when you when I think about my own healing journey, like if I go back to middle and high school and how I felt and some of the choices that I made as a result of how I felt, like I realized how low my self-esteem was, like how insecure I felt and how that showed up in my life. And I was 
really smart, like very driven, very active. And so people didn't realize how I was hurting. But when I started to read and understand stress and trauma, it's like textbook shit that I was doing, you know, promiscuity, like all of these things because of a low self-esteem. And so that's a part of why I'm passionate about like working with that population in general, like schools and youth is because it's like we have to like throw out a, a raft and, you know, like help them along and Sometimes they don't have that at home. You know, a lot of times the teachers don't have the strategies to support them in school. Um, So that was a really long answer to say, this is the work that I'm doing now with stress and trauma and what I'm really passionate about. But um, I mean, you know, if you look at, especially the US, I don't know how Canada is, but us as a nation, like America has an education problem for sure. Yeah, I would say it's the same here. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I come from a healthcare background as well. I was working as a nurse. I've been off for a couple Mm. of years now and I I do know there wasn't really anything I would say in place for us as healthcare workers, unless something went like really South and wrong, then there would be like debriefs or counselors available. But for the most part, like going into that environment, especially now with COVID, like I haven't been working, but I can only imagine what it's been like. And I I know there's not like these resources available for people, even with our like nursing benefits. I think Mm -hmm. we got like eight or $900 um, with our benefits a year covered. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, there's nothing really available to help these people. Um, That's from like a healthcare perspective, Mm -hmm. but I totally see it too. in the the school systems as well, Um, especially too, I think it's so important with kids because, you know, they have these um, they're evolving and they're growing mm-hmm. and whatever. I think it's so it's such an important time too to be able to like offer them these services so that they know or like things, organizations, whatever that's available to help them manage stress and anxiety. Because if you don't learn these skills when you're young, it's really hard to kind of like learn them or change when you're older, right? So yeah. um, I think that's really incredible work that you're doing. To, to thank you, and yeah, I think spend <laughs> <laughs> developmentally if you think about trauma, like developmental trauma and you look at like the lifespan of trauma for children like so many of us are walking around as traumatized adults from childhood trauma that we never let go of and so a lot of the times like the things that we're dealing we're seeing again like addiction and substance use and like here in the U.S. there's like big opioid problem Um, and not that all of that relates back but a lot of those things like you can trace the trace the thread back to many people's childhoods and so a part of it is like how can we get in front of some of the things that we're seeing you know happening in children and also in adults and then Sydney I was also going to say to your comment about uh, being a previous healthcare worker I think first responders in general whether you look at EMTs nurses you know doctors firefighter policemen like policemen all of those populations are dealing with such high stress. It's like jumping into fire every day. You know what I mean? Like, and and no one, although they are in the medical field, like no one is prioritizing their health. And that's why you see like domestic violence is such a thing among police force, you know, forces and they drink a lot. And like, there's all of these things and it's like, we're not supporting them. Like, what do we expect? And so outside of schools, I'm really like a part of my mission is like community serving organizations, which all of those really do fall into. Um, Because if you work with high trauma and high stress populations, it's inevitable that you're going to feel that and hold that. And if you're not doing anything to release it, just walking around with like years, decades worth of stress and I mean, it it impact us. And and so I, I didn't really talk much about my grandmother, but My grandmother, the story with her is that my grandmother had a brain aneurysm at 50 years old 
And, you know, when I was younger and I heard my grandmother's story, I just thought it was because she was an old person. But now, like as a mid something like a mid 30s woman, I realized like 50 is young. Like that's like the height of your life. And, you know, if you live if you live a good life, you should have a lot of life left, um, God willing. But so it just put a lot into perspective. And so then when I started researching as an adult, like what causes a brain aneurysm? It's like high blood pressure. You know what I mean? What causes high blood pressure? Stress. And I'm like, oh, so again, like going back to the root of things, not just looking at the surface of things, really like understanding why people are having heart attacks and having all these things happen to them. So my grandmother's story really inspires me because it is an example of what happens when we don't take care of our bodies, when we don't release the stress and trauma, and we just walk around with it for decades. Because my grandmother's trauma started at like two or three years old, losing her mom. And she just held that, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's that's why I'm so passionate about this work. Because it's like people, it will literally take you out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I even know, because I was working in mater- maternity for a while, mm-hmm. delivering babies. And I know a lot of people there's a lot of traumatic things that happen when people give birth. And a lot of people, I mean, I don't think I really even fully understand until like I started exploring a lot of this like intergenerational trauma and spirituality and all this stuff that like even so- an event like that, like obviously maybe they're not like aware, remember what happened when you were born, but it does like affect the rest of your life. And like you're saying like two or three, like yeah, they're obviously really young, but it still does have a huge effect on the rest of their life too. So it's really important to like learn about these past things that have happened as well, which is, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is my jam. So I'm like, uh, I got a lot to say. Um, the other thing is like, when it comes to educating people about ways to manage stress and trauma, I really am passionate about mental health alone is, or uh, therapy, talk therapy alone is not enough. Because when you think about first responders or, you know, teachers like these people that are in these high stress situations, they might have benefits that pay for a therapist. And so they go to therapy every week and then they're coming back into their high stress job and they're repeating this pattern and they're trying to figure out why they don't feel better, why nothing's getting better. And we like Western society place so much emphasis on like the head and the the mind and we just neglect the body and we neglect the spirit. And so for me, like one of the things that really was like a big aha moment for me is like, oh, so we're just like talking about our problems every week in therapy. And the trauma is stored in the left side of the brain, but the conversations that we are having are in the right side of the brain. And so we're not doing anything that really like tells our bodies that it's safe for, for us to release. And so it's like a both and situation. Like I am in therapy. I believe in therapy. I think it's great to help you process through and work on things, but that's not it. You know what I mean? Like there's more that you have to do to really like help yourself heal and release. And so that's also something that I'm passionate about educating people about is like, we cannot just talk about it. We got to bring the body into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so important. Thanks for bringing that up. We've had a few guests on that kind of have mentioned it. I've mentioned it too, in my own healing. I started mm-hmm. with like talk therapy only, which is really what I obviously did need. And I still did go to a counselor, but it wasn't really until I started to incorporate like some more like body work, healing work, Mm -hmm. energy work that I really started to notice those shifts. And I think, like you said, um, like our modern day medicine world, we don't really recognize that at all. And so I think it is so important that, Mm -hmm. yeah, we kind of keep communicating that. And through this podcast, we can let people know that because it's definitely something that. that gets forgotten about for sure mm-hmm. well, or not even aware of. So yeah, <laughs> I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of that either, like coming from a 
nursing background at all. Like it's so, yeah, just the things we're taught and focused on is so different. And so when I went through my stuff, I just, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know any of this stuff existed. So yeah. That's so shocking to me because it's like, y'all learn so much about the body, but you, you know, they're not teaching you all how stress and trauma are stored in the body, but you learn a lot. And I think that's a part of the problem. And I'm not like, please, if anyone is listening, I'm not like trying to down or be hard on the medical system. But if you go to a doctor, right. And you're like, I'm having this side of my body is numb, or I'm having these headaches that I can't get rid of. Like they are looking at like the, the, the symptom and like, oh, here's a prescription or take some Advil. And like, they're treating the symptom, but it's like, but what is, what is beneath that? You know what I mean? Like, let's scratch the surface a little bit. And I think if we as a society in the medical field did a better job of like going deeper and exploring the things that cause the issues, like we would see more healing and maybe it's intentional that they don't do it. Cause it's, you know, it's such a profitable industry, but I think there's a statistic that's like 90 um, or five out of the six of the leading causes of death are stress related, like related to stress. And so, yeah, heart attack and stroke. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I know we actually had, well, we released this episode like last week um, with um, a lady who talks about energy leaks and she has Mm. like a nursing background, nurse practitioner Mm. background. And she did talk about too, like when she worked in triage, and, um, you know, yeah, they're treating symptoms. I mean, they're so busy too, that you only have yeah. so much time to spend with patients, but once you started connecting deeper on like that emotional level and mm-hmm. figuring what could be causing these issues, like physical issues, um, then it, it did start to resolve those problems as well. But yeah, we're, I know from nursing school, it definitely not taught any of that. It's like <laughs> focusing on disease and illness and like all the things that can go wrong and how to fix it, but not like really connecting cure it. yeah oh I gotta go back and listen to that episode that makes me excited thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that yeah we just released it last week it was a really good one and yeah Catherine is awesome so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and like just thank you again for bringing that up that mind body piece I think mm-hmm. I know I've said this a couple times also throughout some of our episodes but um like I've struggled with chronic pain for years and the more doctors I saw the more times I got the answer of here's these pain meds Mm -hmm. you can take and to me that wasn't a realistic answer of something that I was going to continue to do for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. Um, so I really did dive deeper and I've found some other modalities that really help with that and I think um, just that awareness piece of knowing that there are other options. And I mean, of course, pain meds are helpful. And for some people, that is the answer for whatever it is they're dealing with at the time. There's no shame in that or mm-hmm. any problem with using them. But I just knew for myself and my body that that wasn't my right answer. And so following that and being able to deal with the things that I was dealing with in a different way was really it was helpful to know that there were resources available once I started looking for them. And um, I think one of the pieces that came up for me with that was another episode we did with a guy who does um, chronic pain management. And the fact that when people retire from these stressful jobs, their pain goes down. It's Mm. like a, a statistic and they've done many studies on it. And So looking at the stressful lives that we live and how we're trying to process all these things while we're so busy and we Mm. don't have time to focus on ourselves. And I think that the work that you're doing is really bringing that all into the full picture of allowing people to really recognize that 
by connecting in with themselves, they might be able to better manage what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And I'm happy to hear that you felt empowered enough to take control of your own journey and to own that process. Um, Because that's the thing, like, I believe that when it comes to like healing, whether it's physical, you know, mental, spiritual, like we can seek guidance from other people, but a lot of times we give our power away to someone else. We go to the doctor and we're like looking for them to cure us. It's like, what, what is the thing that I need to do? And it's like, how can I like really own this process and then just let this person support me, whether it's a therapist or, you know, a doctor or whomever you're seeking, like the important piece here is like owning it, like taking your power back. And so I'm really happy to hear that you did that. Um, because yeah, that, that's such an important part of the healing journey, whatever you're working through. It definitely is. And do you share these services just mostly, um, like in person or do you have Mm -hmm. online resources to share that with people? Yeah. So right now, a lot of what I do has been in person. Um, I, so I'm moving back into working with women. Like I'm super passionate about that, but I'm, also, like, I am someone who um, I, I always tell people that we teach the things that we need. And so I teach people how to manage stress and burnout because I kept burning out. You know what I mean? I, got, I know all the things to do, like, but the embodiment and the doing piece is very different. And I said all that to say that I'm really passionate about working with women because, like, in our day and age, we are just so overwhelmed and busy and, like, our to-do lists are ridiculous. And especially as women, like, we just nurture and hold everyone else we don't prioritize ourselves and so I'm moving back into supporting women virtually creating a it'll be hybrid it'll be a mix of a online wellness space for women um and then also meeting uh in person quarterly for like a mastermind slash like wellness retreat situation so that is called nourish wellness collective and it'll be starting again I'll be uh, not starting again I'll be launching it this fall but I needed to put it on hold because again like I'm someone who like overcommits to all the things and so I didn't feel it didn't feel right to be like burned out trying to start this thing when I'm like this thing is promoting wellness and so I I needed to be okay with like what my heart was saying was like, this is a really beautiful thing. But like right now you are also working on another really beautiful thing. And like, this is a lot. And so it'll be happening and I'll be moving back into the virtual space. But right now, moving still can be virtual. Like if an organization is listening and wants to partner with me, we can certainly offer virtual services. Um, And we also offer in-person services. So we can do both. Amazing. Yeah, it's just good for our listeners to be able to know where what's available and where to find you. So that's thank you. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I have any questions left. Thank you so much for your time and mm-hmm. all the information you provided us with. I don't know if Lex has any final questions or thoughts to that you want to ask, but otherwise we'll maybe just get you to um, share a little bit about like your website and mm-hmm. a few of your um, social media handles. And yeah. Anything else, Alexa, before I jump into my where you can find me spill? Well, I feel like I could ask you a million more questions, <laughs> but <laughs> we I, that's probably good for today. And hopefully we can reconnect and mm. I'll ask you some other stuff at yeah. another time. But All of the burning thanks. questions have been answered. Yes, <laughs> totally. I Thank you say. so much, Dominice. <laughs> and um, yeah, if you want to share your channels, your 
places to, that everyone can find you. And then of course we'll link that as well. Sure. So I am mostly on Instagram and LinkedIn and I'm Dominice R. Clifton on both of those spaces. I am, what was I going to say? Oh, my website. I was like, I am something. My website for anyone who wants to learn more is movexstill, x like xylophone still.com. And then if you want to just get on the wait list for Nourish, like if it sounds like something that you might be interested in learning more about, joining the wait list to stay updated, the website for that is nourishwellnesscollective.com. And then the last thing I'll say that I can share with your listeners, I know you asked me, um, like, where can someone start? We didn't talk about this today, but another thing that I'm really passionate about is educating women in particular on soul care versus self-care, because we live in a day and age where everyone is talking about self-care and then we're taking baths and lighting candles and going to get our nails done and all of those like really big, those really great things that make us look awesome and feel good for the moment. But again, like I really believe in that mind, body, spirit approach and that being an all encompassing process. And so if you're like, I know I need to take better care of myself, or maybe I am feeling stressed and burned out or like, you know, I need to prioritize my healing journey better. And you're like, where do I start? I have a free um, soul care 10 under 10 guide, which is essentially 10 activities that focus on mind, body and spirit that you can do in under 10 minutes. And so even if you're really busy, it only takes 10 minutes. And so that's also a resource that I'd be happy to share with you all for you to share with your listeners. Um, and a lot of the things that we talked about today are on that list. Um, but yeah, it's intended to really nurture and nourish all the parts of ourselves, which we talked a lot about today and why that's important. Thank you. I think that is so important. And these accessible ways for people that are, are busy and really mm -hmm. feeling the effects of um, whatever it is they're dealing with in life to be able to have those resources. So thank you for that offer. And thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Thank you all that for having me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could definitely take advantage of that right now. I'm going through a bit of a stressful time. So I would love to check that out. Um, do you have any final thoughts or, um, anything you want to say to wrap up this lovely conversation we've got to share with you? Mm. I think for anyone who's listening, who maybe you are just starting your healing journey or you're in your healing journey, sometimes we can get very fixated on, again, I talked about this, like who we're working on becoming in this inversion of ourselves that we don't appreciate the process, but I'm learning so much more to just appreciate the process, appreciate the process of evolution and all of the the things that you're learning, like all of the failures that come with that. And so I'm saying that because like sometimes we listen to podcasts because we're trying to figure out what do I need to do to like fix myself or like heal myself and all those things. And it's like, you are already healed. Like you just have to remember who you are. And I just want people to know, like, there's not sure you can improve and evolve and all of those things, but don't get so fixated on like fixing something, just like focus on the remembering process because you came here with everything you need and it's about finding your way back. And that's such a beautiful part of the journey. That is really beautiful. Thank you mm -hmm. so much, Dominice. That's I think a really nice way to wrap up this podcast today. And thank you again for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you both for having me. I've enjoyed talking to y'all. Thank you for listening to the Soul Connection Duo podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Your support for our podcast helps us to grow our amazing community and allows us to create new and exciting episodes each month. 
please leave us a rating and review on your favorite listening platform and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for new content updates and more.